Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org slash give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship. Even though we aren't gathered at our physical campuses, I'm glad that you made a decision to join us online. And let me be the first to wish you and yours a happy new year. My name is Gideon, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, before we jump into our message for today, I quickly want to give a shout out to a few groups of people. First is our volunteers. Thank you. Thank you so much for how you have served our church faithfully within the past year. I pray that you have been able to find rest this holiday season. The second group is our staff. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your diligence. Thank you for your care in leading our church and leading our volunteers as well. I pray that you have been able to find some rest for yourselves over this holiday season as well. And then lastly, just a quick shout out to our leadership team, Pastor Omar, Pastor Carlos, uh, all of our leadership team. Personally, for me, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share God's word with our people today. Well, listen, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to look at seven verses. We're going to go verse by verse. But to begin our time today, we're going to zero in on verse 24. Here's what Paul writes. He says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We know that every new year, brings us an opportunity to make some real changes in our lives, right? You've probably heard of the phrase, new year, new me. And the desire behind that is to put away these old habits and these old behaviors and to strive for this self-improvement, right? So as we embark on the new year, what changes do you want to make in your life? Perhaps it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship. It could be in your work or your school, your health. We're a church. I'm a pastor, so you know I'm going to ask this question. What changes do you want to make when it comes to your faith? What areas in your faith do you want to grow in? Maybe it's in your serving. Maybe it's in your generosity. Perhaps you want to start giving to the mission of the Lord. Uh, perhaps it's your quiet time. Maybe it's not going as strong as you would like it to be. Maybe it's being more bold when it comes to evangelism, being able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even more so. Here's what I know, is that the New Year's is a great time for us to audit our hearts, to look at these hidden places of faithlessness. You know, what sinful impulses have you been neglecting? What sinful impulses have you excused or even harbored over the past year? What might the Lord finally prune and bring to life? You know, before you make these New Year's resolutions and these goals, I would challenge you to find a why. Why does it matter that you change? Why is it important that you, that you change? You know, oftentimes our resolutions wilt because we don't have a big enough why to whether the temptations or the setbacks or the distractions that come our way. So there's no real change when it comes to our walk with the Lord. In fact, that's how my story really went. You know, I grew up in the church. I grew up believing God and knowing God that he existed, but he didn't have all of me. You know, I had one foot in the door and one foot out the door, so to speak. But as I would get older, I would start to experience some real setbacks and real loss in life. And my response to God was, God, I know you exist. Where are you? Do something about what's happening in my life. That was my first mistake. My first mistake was treating God like he was a genie, treating God like he was a vending machine. Whenever I wanted something and the time that I wanted, I would expect God that he would deliver it. But you know, when things didn't go the way that I would plan it to go, 
I would end up filling that void and that emptiness with these worldly pursuits. And from there, these, this cyclical process would happen over and over and over again. I would hit rock bottom. I would look up at God very angrily. God, I know you're there. I know you see all the things that are happening in my life. Would you do something about it? And then I thought to myself, maybe I'm doing something wrong, right? Perhaps I'm not going to church enough. Maybe I'm not praying enough. Whenever I felt I needed God's favor, I would just go to church more. I would just pray more, and then I would receive God's favor. Whenever I would sin and mess up, and I needed God's forgiveness, I'd say, hey, I'll just go to church more. I'll just pray more, and then I'll receive God's forgiveness. You know, that was the crux of my relationship with the Lord. Until that faded Sunday, the fall of 2010, that I would walk through the doors of the Christ Fellowship downtown campus. It was on that day that I heard a message that would change my life forever. And as I was sitting there and I was listening and processing what was being preached, for the first time, I truly understood that I, that I didn't see and I didn't believe God for who he is. I didn't worship him for who he was. And because of that, I behaved the way that I behaved. Because of that, I had a very shallow faith, which leads me to my, my main idea for today. And you're gonna hear me drive this point home a lot. What we believe determines how we behave. What you and I truly believe deep down inside, it determines how we behave. You know, just like me growing up, perhaps that's been your experience with Christianity up until today. Do this and don't do that and God will be happy with you. In fact, it feels like Christianity just became another subscription to a to-do list. If you work hard, if you serve, if you forgive, if you do this and do that, God will be happy with you. You'll be fine. You see, so many people approach the faith this way. They feel like if they do just enough religious activities, one would eventually stick and their life would get better. But then it slowly starts to fade. You know why? Because they're tired of trying to be somebody that they're not. Well, maybe that's you today. What areas in your faith do you desire real change? You know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, in 2023, I really don't need to change in anything in regards of my walk with the Lord. I think I'm okay. Understand that I'm especially talking to you. The truth is, is nobody is perfect. But also know this, I understand that most people would often think and probably say, hey, I'm doing okay when it comes to my walk with the Lord. But the truth is, if you would look deep down inside of the core of your being, if you would search your heart, you'll see that there are areas of our faith that the Lord truly needs to prune and bring to life. So that raises this question, how do we experience real lasting change? Now, here's what's beautiful. As I mentioned, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four, and what we're going to see is Paul is going to walk us through how people really change. Now, I get it. There are two groups of people when it comes to change, right? There are those of us who believe, hey, we are who we are. We're never really changing. And then there are those who are desperate for real, lasting change. And here's what I know about the Bible. The Bible does exactly what it says it would do. It changes lives. It transforms hearts. So as you prepare to make these New Year's resolutions, as you prepare to make these goals to have the best year ever, Take heart in knowing that the Lord is with you and God is for you. With that being said, I have three points for today. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes. You can write this down as number one. Real change begins by remembering we were once far from God. Real change begins by remembering we were once far from God. Look what Paul writes in verse 17. Follow along. It says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the, as, as the Gentiles do. Let me read that again. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Those two words, no longer. Paul is invoking the idea that you used to live like a Gentile, 
because you were a Gentile. He says that you should no longer walk this way, not as the Gentiles do. Now, if you're new today, that word Gentile just represents someone who is far from God, uh, someone who uh, isn't with God, isn't walking with the Lord. In the Old Testament, it represented anyone other than God's people, the Israelites. In the New Testament, Paul now uses this label to describe somebody who hasn't met Jesus, someone who is living life in their own, someone who is not a Christian. And Paul says, you should no longer walk this way. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says, you used to walk this way. In fact, culture around you still walks this way, but then something happened. Something happened that changed the way that you walk. Something happened that changed the way that you behave. Again, what we truly believe, what we believe determines how we behave. Speaking of behavior, listen to the way that Paul describes the way that you and I behaved before we met Jesus. Look at verse 18. He says that they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. There's a lot to unpack here. First, Paul says that you're far from God. He says that you have separated yourself from the life of God. He uses that word alienated, and it's critical because that word alienated hints that you're not who you're supposed to be. Now think about it for a minute, right? For someone to be alienated means that they were once close, but then for whatever reason, they were separated. That's what Paul is saying here. You see, the life that you and I were created for is to do life with God, where we are close to him, where we experience this love and security that only he can bring. But get this, when we reject God like the Gentiles do, we lose that fulfilling relationship that you and I were created for. But we still have these cravings. You know, these things that we desire of, of love and security, they don't go away, but you know what we start doing? Our actions start to follow. We start to replace our relationship with God with things like our parents' approval, more money, the success of our children, finding the right one, you name it. They take a priority, and as time passes, you realize that you have grown apart from the things of the Lord. But we need to understand that there's a deeper issue here for the reason why we have become alienated from God. At the end of verse 18, Paul describes that as our hearts being hardened to God. So get this, alienation from God is a product of a hardened heart. If you find yourself further away from God, perhaps you have hardened your heart towards God. It's not that God can't be seen or found. God has made himself very easy to find. It's that our hearts have been hardened towards God. Look at how he describes our hearts in verse 19. Look at the the next verse. It says that they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You know what a callous is? A callous is something that I would get at the bottom of my feet from practicing football every single day and then playing games on the weekend. A callous is something that musicians would get on their fingers from plucking the, the strings of an instrument over and over and over again. You have built up enough tough skin so that you can't feel anything. That is exactly how he describes our hearts in verse 19, that we have built up a wall around our hearts that we can't even receive God. So then there's no wonder why there's no real change because we have grown callous towards God. So once our hearts have been hardened towards God, what happens? Our actions follow. Again, what we believe, what we truly believe determines how we behave. So let me ask this question. What areas in your life have you grown callous? What areas of your faith have you grown callous? What sin have you become a little less sensitive to that the next time you commit it, you can become, you become less convicted about? Is it sexual sin? Is it lying? Is it stealing? Is it greed, jealousy, manipulation? Is it lording over people? What does it look like? What areas do you need for the Lord to soften? And this matters because 
you will never ever experience real lasting change until the Lord has softened your heart and heart. What does that look like for you? So back to the New Year's resolutions. We want to have the best year ever, right? You want to put away these old habits and to walk worthy. You want to change and grow in your walk with the Lord. So what is the solution here? Well, that leads us to our second point. Real change comes from new knowledge. Real change comes from new knowledge. Look at verse 20. This is what Paul writes. But that is not the way that you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you are taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Hear what it reads. It doesn't change you by telling you that you need to fix your behavior. It changes you by showing you and reminding you the beauty of the gospel. You know what Paul is saying? He reminds the believer of the truth that you have learned about Jesus. The power to love comes from experiencing his love for you. The power to forgive comes from the story of his death to forgive you. The power to endure suffering comes from uh, the story of his suffering from you. The power to break free from addiction comes from Jesus breaking free from the grave for you. You see what Paul is reminding us, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're recalling and remembering all the beautiful things that Jesus has done for you. And you feel compelled and convicted to walk in a new manner, to walk worthy of the calling that the Lord has placed on your life. That's what it means to walk new, leaving the old behind and walking in a new manner. Look at verse 22. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You see, change doesn't just come from new knowledge of the gospel. Change comes as that new knowledge of the gospel goes to work on you. Verse 23 again, it says, be renewed, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You know, spirit of your minds, that's just another phrase for the core of our being. It's another phrase for our hearts needing to be renewed. But why? Why do our hearts need to be renewed? Again, because what we believe determines how we behave. What we believe determines how we behave. What we don't need is another to-do list. What we need is a new heart, but we can't do that. We can't make our hearts be new. It says to be renewed. That's the passive tense phrase, meaning the action is already done for you. That's what's beautiful. The action is already done for you. So what do we need to do? Leads us to our third point for today. Real change can only happen when you surrender your entire life, your whole life to God. Real change can only happen when you surrender your whole life to God. And it's only when you surrender your entire life to God that your heart will begin to change and true lasting change will follow. Again, what we believe determines how we behave. Verse 22 again, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You see, some of us are attempting to live this half in Christianity where you hold on to your, your normal way of living, but then you do some Christian stuff. Now, listen, I'm not talking to those of you who are fighting your way out of addiction. I'm talking to those of you who call yourself a Christian, but then you live no differently than the world around you. You need to understand that following Jesus requires that you put away your old self. You see, Christianity isn't this self-help strategy to, to make you a little bit better. Christianity is a death to self strategy to give you a whole new life. It's only when you can put away the old self that you can then finally put on the new. You have to die to yourself. And it's when we die to ourselves that we can finally put on the new. So that raises this question. How do we know that we have put on the new? How do we know that we have put on this new life? Well, the answer is, is very simple. It's very beautiful too. You know that you have put on the new life when you start to reflect the character of God more and more and more. Look at our last verse here in verse 24. He says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, 
not the likeness of the world, not the likeness of anything else, but the likeness of God. And then he describes two characteristics of God. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, the more that you grow up in your faith, the more that you start to resemble your heavenly father. For instance, you've probably heard the phrase, hey, you remind me of your dad. Or hey, you look just like your mother. You know, when you're a baby, you pretty much just look like a baby. You're cute. You have chubby cheeks, growing limbs, chunky thighs. But then when you get older, people who knew your parents, they start to say things like, hey, you remind me a lot of your dad. Hey, you sounds like your mother talking. The same is true when it comes to our faith. When we put on the new self, we start to look more like our heavenly father. So let me ask this question. What areas of your faith do you need to reflect God more? What areas of your faith is that? Maybe it's your quiet time. Maybe it's being more generous. Perhaps it's serving. Maybe it's in the way that you parent your children. Maybe it's the way that you honor your parents. And whatever area of your life that you feel needs to reflect God more, ask yourself, ask yourself this, why have you failed to do so? Why haven't you been able to make these real lasting changes in that area? Again, what we believe determines how we behave. Family, as we end, I hope you see how God can truly change people. For some of you, it's a wake-up call. If you call yourself a Christian, but you're angry, you're still stingy, you're still deceitful, maybe if you've tried, but nothing is sticking, you need to stop trying to fix yourself and let God recreate a new heart like only he can. How? By total submission. Submitting yourself over to the will of God. Believers and unbelievers alike, you're called to the same next step today. And that's repentance. And that simply means to make up your mind. Make up your mind on what you want to do. Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Do you want to cling to your old behaviors and your old way of living or do you want to put on the new? And if you're a Christian, maybe for you, that looks like finally repenting of that sin that has entangled you over the past year. Maybe you're watching and you feel like your entire life needs to be changed. Perhaps you're not a Christian, but that's a, that's a decision that you want to make right now. Your next step to experiencing real lasting change first begins by responding to the gospel. And this is the gospel found in the book of Romans, found in chapter three, verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, myself included, we fall short of the glory of God. Now, why does that matter? Look at Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It says, for the wages of sin is death. What are wages? Wages is something that we earn. And what do we earn because of our sin? Paul says we earn death. Now, he's not, re- he's not talking about a physical death. We all will die a physical death. But he's talking about a spiritual death where we are alienated from God, where we are set apart for an eternity. That's the wages that we get. That's, that's what we get because of our sin. But then it goes on to read this, but the free gift of God. What is a gift? A gift is something that you don't have to work for. It's something that you haven't earned. It's freely given to you. And what is that gift? It says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift that we receive from God is Jesus himself. Now, what did that gift cost? Look at Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? While you were still mocking and ridiculing God, while you were still sinning, Jesus made the decision to die for you. So how do you receive this gift? Well, if you read in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You might be thinking that, you might be sitting there and thinking to yourself, nah, surely he can't be, he can't be talking about me. Uh, you know how bad I am? You know how sinful I am? Well, look at 
a few verses after that, verse 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're everyone. So if you're sitting there watching this sermon right now, perhaps that's a decision that you wanna make. I'd love to lead you through a prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for today. God, thank you for the opportunity to preach and teach your word, Lord. And God, right now, I know that you're doing some work and whoever's hearing this message, Lord, I pray right now that you would continue to stir their heart for more affection for you. God, for the person who might have just stumbled upon the stream or who, who, who may have been invited by a friend who may not know you, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in their lives, that you would open up their hearts and their minds to, to receive you, to see you and to receive you. And so as we're praying, if you want to make the decision to follow Jesus right now, right where you are, just repeat after me. Father God, I, I, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving. I realize that I am alienated, that I am far from you. God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would help me to put on the new. God, I believe in my heart that you are God, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the only way. God, I accept him as my savior and as my Lord. God, I pray and I ask that you would help me to live the rest of my life loving you, serving you, and honoring you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, listen, if you made that decision today, you have made the most important decision that you'll ever make, not just this year, but in your entire life, your entire life. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you tell us about that? The reason why is we want to help you take your next step in your journey with the Lord. So simply visit cfmiami.org slash connect, fill out that information, and somebody from our staff, one of our pastors, will follow up with you to help you, to help you take your next step in your journey with the Lord. Well, listen, I'm so glad that you've been able to join us. I pray that this message has been able to bless you, to encourage you, to continue to walk in the things of the Lord. Next weekend, we'll be back uh, physically at all of our campuses. And so we hope to see you there. And also, we're starting a brand new series called The Family Trust. Take a look. The family needs help and encouragement. God is interested in your family, your marriage, your children. He shows us the ideals and the goals for the family, and he's willing to help us. Have you gotten on your knees and committed your children to the Lord time after time? The answer is God. The answer is surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus Christ as parents, as children, so that every member of the home knows Jesus Christ and loves the Word of God.